And we welcome you to the Thursday Morning Show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. Today we're going to explore how theater can be taught in a virtual environment, in this online environment necessitated by the COVID-19 crisis. I'm really pleased to be able to speak with two members of the theater faculty at the University of Wisconsin Parkside and with two Parkside students to get both perspectives on this situation. We're going to begin with Jody Sikas, who is Associate Professor of Theater Arts at Parkside, and with Lindsay Gallagher, who is one of the students in his scene painting class at Parkside. Lindsay happens to be from Kenosha, a proud graduate of St. Joseph's Catholic Academy. I began my conversation by asking Professor Sikas to describe the first conversations that happened between him and his colleagues in the theater department when it first became clear that COVID-19 was going to impact them. Well, I think... uh Right away, it was uh, a lot of heavy panic, which then, <laughs> after a little bit of calming down, uh, was the mild panic. Um, because, yeah, as, uh, teaching theater is a, it's a very interactive activity, um, be it acting classes, directing classes, uh, my scene painting class, stagecraft class, which I also teach. Um, and one of our professors teaches stage combat this semester. And so we knew uh, in the early stages, it was day by day. It's sort of, we well, let's see what the word is the next day. And then, well, okay, let's see what the word is next day until it finally came down that, yes, we were going to have to go fully online. Um, and we just knew that we would have to adapt. Um, my option for scene painting class was either just to cancel it or cut it off at that point in the semester and say, okay, you're not going to learn anymore. Um, but I thought that would be a disservice to the students. And so um, I came up with a, a way that the students could still progress in their learning. And, um, and that seems to be going pretty well. Uh, the stage combat uh, professor, Brian Gill, for example, uh, is doing uh, videos of him doing the techniques. And then the students do this at home with uh, essentially wooden dowels. Uh, that they were provided and uh, then they video themselves doing the techniques and, and that's how that class is progressing um, and similar thing with acting classes so as a the department as a whole is uh, making the adaptations we're figuring it out mm. Very well said. Uh, and uh, you mentioned parenthetically before we began uh, recording this interview that Part of your teaching load today involves uh, an array of one credit courses, I think, that actually, if I understood you correctly, were already being taught online. Uh, and if that's correct, if I'm remembering that correctly, then uh, in a sense, you had at least a tiny little step ahead of probably a lot of your colleagues at Parkside <laughs> in terms of at least having to have done this a bit already online. Yes, for those the, uh, one credit CAD classes, there's three of them for three different softwares. And um, yes, I've been teaching those. This is probably my sixth time doing them. And it's it's all tutorial based and they were fully online. Hmm. So the students watch me doing the, the teaching and then they turn them in. So yes, at least that one was already taken care of. So that right. made me happy. Right, but uh, some of these others, uh, an, an interesting challenge, which we'll, we'll dig into in just a moment. Lindsay Gallagher, uh, again, a sophomore at the University of Wisconsin Parkside. Uh, 
it's always good to be able to get a little bit of student perspective on what this experience uh, is like. Uh, let me ask you uh, kind of a comparable question to what I uh, asked Professor Sikis, uh, namely, what, what are your recollections of, of, of early in this crisis when it started to become clear that most likely something was going to happen uh, in terms of how education was going to be delivered at a place like uh, the University of Wisconsin Parkside? What, what was the first notica notification that you received that things were going to have to change? Um, the first notification we received was actually email during scenic painting. Um, so we were all <laughs> right. class, uh, we were working on our next project. Um, originally, we were doing four by four boards, and we were going to do a group uh, a, a partner project. So we were working on that with our boards together, and we were drawing out lines. And then we got an email, and we're like, "Oh my goodness!" So then the panic set in and it was it was really hard at first because especially scenic painting I was like I'm I took this class to see if in the future I want to I want to paint if I want to make that my career in the theater and I just I was getting really upset because I was like oh now, now I'm not going to be able to like actually get what I want out of this class so it was it was really upsetting also thinking about all the productions because we're like, oh, are the shows just going to get canceled? It was, it was all up in the air, and everyone was, <laughs> all, all the freak out was happening during scenic painting. And we're like, what's going on? Should we even work on this project? It was, it was really, um, it was lots of panic during that moment. Um, but luckily, Jody was there, and we started talking with him, and he settled us down. And um, it was, it was just really inspiring to hear Jody during. Um, um, the, well, the, the, uh, sorry, we had a all theater company meeting and just to hear like, oh, how is scenic painting and costumes going to get through this? And then hearing that Jody was going to do tutorials was just really awesome because I was like, I'm going to still experience this class and not say have to take it again next semester, um, not being able to take a different class instead. So I was just really happy to hear that. <laughs> after being so panicked <laughs> right um so you are taking of course more than scenic painting this semester before we dig into scenic painting itself uh mm -hmm. tell us what courses you are taking right now at parkside and kind of the varied experience that i suspect you've had from course to course to course over what i'm assuming are probably several dis different disciplines mm -hmm. um so i was already taking an online science course so that pretty much stayed the same my teacher actually was very understanding about everything happening and did cut back on some of our assignments as well just understanding everything we're going through and that we're getting like a, a bunch more assignments online so just to kind of compensate for all the panic and things they did cut back so that was that was really cool um so yes i had that science class online already and then I had um, English 102, um, and then Principles of Design, which is another theater class, um, costumes, another theater class, and then scenic painting. Very good. For those of you just joining us, I'm speaking with uh, Jody Sikis, who is Associate Professor of Theater Arts at the University of Wisconsin Parkside, 
and Lindsay Gallagher, uh, who is a sophomore uh, theater major at the University of Wisconsin Parkside, uh, originally from Kenosha, graduate of St. Joseph's Catholic Academy. And I'm assuming, Lindsay, that your love of theater uh, has something to do with the experiences you had at St. Joseph's. Tell us quickly about that. Yes, I was a part of all things theater throughout all of high school, even a little bit of middle school, but it was mainly you were allowed to do it in high school. I did all of our shows. I worked my way up to being stage manager senior year, and it was just a real blast learning the fundamentals at that high school. Very good. And you've made a good choice in terms of a very strong theater department, that's for sure. So, uh, Jody Sikas, uh, let's talk for a moment about what the course scene scene painting is that what it's called yes um, scene painting yes so tell us first of all even apart from the whole online matter just when life is normal uh what what is covered in this particular course sure um so in the theater world in the entertainment world uh, including film and television um, there are uh, set designers or production designers who design the sets and then those get constructed. But then there are also uh, what are called scenic artists who are the people who paint all of the scenery. And so um, things that I'm teaching in this class are applicable to both theater, film and television. And it's teaching full finishing techniques. Um, the basics of perspective and layout is sort of where we begin. Um, to be able to do um, what appear to be three-dimensional backdrops, for example, um, and full finishing techniques like how to do fake um, brick or wood or concrete, things like that, um, marble. And so it's uh, learning all these different techniques and how they can be applied in these different industries. So it's, uh, yeah, uh, learning all the different skills. So. In, in a typical semester where there would not be this sort of interruption or drastic shift in, in delivery, um, how would this be taught? I mean, the, the, the skills that you just outlined, what, what would the, the typical class period sort of look like and, and how would the typical class period be spent? Uh, we meet two days a week for an hour and 20 minutes, 22 minutes, and uh, usually, so for each individual project, um, I will do a demonstration one class period, which usually takes around an hour and then leaves 20 minutes for them to like start prepping for it. And then I try to leave three to four class periods for them to work on the project in class with me there, being able to uh, give them instant feedback and tips and guide them. Uh, as they are doing this. Uh, we have 16 people in the class this semester. And so we basically completely take over the scene shop and uh, one of our theaters, um, because each of them are painting on a four foot by four foot panel, um, because scene painting isn't a small canvas painting, it's painting large pieces of scenery. So that's why I have that scale. Um, and so, yeah, it's, they, they get a lot of in-class time because I wanna be able to give them that feedback. Hmm. And then there are a number of projects. Right. And so it's, I guess it's a combination of learning about how to do these things. And then it's also the doing of these things. It's, it's learning about painting a, a realistic looking fake wall. So it doesn't look terribly fake. And then beyond that, it's actually doing that then 
actually doing it, yes. Painting a fake wall doesn't look too fake. And so, uh, as we said, you suddenly found yourself having to shift this course uh, into an an online format. Uh, So tell us about some of the most significant alterations that you had to make, uh, both in, I assume, maybe your expectations and also the means by which uh, to deliver this and, and give the students a rich experience. It took me a little while to wrap my head around what exactly I was going to do. I, I came up with different thoughts. Um, there are a number of uh, Facebook pages that uh, popped up for uh, theater teachers um, and what to do about this. Um, so it's all around the country. People are getting together and uh, putting their heads together. Um, ultimately, what I decided on was to continue the course, but um, I would have to do all my demonstrations in video format and put them up on uh, Canvas, our online learning environment. And then I would need to provide all of the students with all the materials they would need to complete the remaining projects in the class. The first thing that I uh, had to accept was that the partner project that they were already probably a third of the way through uh, we just couldn't do anymore. So they got as far as they got. Um, when Lindsay was talking about that day that everyone got the email, I was <laughs> halfway through class and no more productivity happened in that class. <laughs> um, just a lot of talking. Yeah. Um, so that project had to go away. And then um, just out of partly time consideration and partly what my goal was for the project, I had to eliminate the project which in the face-to-face version, all of the students would paint a four foot by six foot uh, muslin backdrop, which is what backdrops are made out of, and um, using drop painting techniques, which are different than painting hard scenery, for example. Um, So that was a a skill set that I want them to learn, but there was no way to have them do that at home Mm. um, because of the, the scale and the materials that would be needed. Um, so unfortunately, uh, that had to go. Um, but on the upside, uh, well, there are two upsides that I can think of. Um, one is I don't think they're sad that those two projects went because everyone's life has just been uh, turned into chaos a little bit because of having to adapt to all of these things, um, not just school, but everything else going on in their lives. So I'm sure they don't mind having two fewer projects. And I'm, I, I was happy to provide that because I'm going through the same thing. Um, so it, it allows them to find a little more time to do these. Um, the other upside is that um, this forced me to do something I've been meaning to do for years for this class, which is to do what's called flipping the course. So the student's homework uh, is to watch the videos and then in class, they actually work on, all they do is work on the projects in class with me there. So that way I'm not taking up class time to do the demonstrations uh, and allows the students more time in class to work on them with my mentorship. Hmm. I've been meaning to do that for years. And now at the, uh, when all is said and done here, I have the latter half of the semester already done. Wow. Not on video. Yeah. So, that, and I suppose but, one one advantage of that as well is uh, that somebody can take that video presentation you've made of, of of demonstration of whatever, 
and they can stop it and rewind it and watch it again and watch it again and watch it again and and really digest it perhaps even better than they might if it was just a one shot listen to this watch this okay here you go um i could see how this might be actually a more richly beneficial experience for the student <laughs> yeah and that's why it's been a goal for a while but i've just never been able to find the time to do it and now i've been forced to find the time to do it um yeah so and i break them down into segments so for like uh painting full brick that's probably six different 15 minute videos for the, the brick portion of it and then they can if they forgot one of the steps they can just go to one of those six videos and they're all labeled so they can rewatch that and also what i've been doing is um there are they have to mix paint and so for that i have a, a you can't see my hands a paint mix card um, with formula written on it that I just hold up to the camera and they can pause it there and write those things down. Huh. Fascinating. So, uh, Lindsay Gallagher, tell us what it has been like, uh, to be on the receiving end of all of this. And first of all, uh, I took from your smiles and laughter when he, uh, when Professor Sikas talked about the elimination of a couple of projects that indeed that probably was welcome news to you and your classmates. Yes. It, well, well, it, does stink that we're not able to learn those certain techniques um just how everything's playing out time wise it it was really nice to not have that stress of the the final project um, so, so tell us what the actual doing is then in terms of the kind of things you've been working on and what it's felt like to be working on them uh in your own home instead of in the studio that would be the location at parkside um, so being at home, I realized how nice it was to work in the shop because all the paints are right there, the paint sinks right there. So being at home, we have all the paint containers that Jody gave us, but we have, I like take over the whole kitchen when I um, mix my paints. And um, it's just really convenient, everything being right there at school. And I was like, wow, I totally took that for granted. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then... Um, when it comes to actually painting, for me at home, a lot of the different techniques um, we in our painting, we need to do uh, a spatter technique, which um, causes lots of little drips of paint to go everywhere. So uh, that is something I actually have to make sure I do outside because I can't do that in the house or in the garage because we actually have like a Model T in our garage. So we can't, I can't get that all dirty. My dad will get mad. <laughs> um, <laughs> But so I have to make sure I go outside to do that. And then also weather dependent, I'm like, oh, I, I can't go outside today because it was pouring for a whole week like uh, last week. So that that didn't really help with my painting process. Um, but when it comes to Jody doing the videos, like you said, it's really nice to be able to pause the video or go back because I'm like, wait, what did he just do? Um, while at school, he may do the tutorial once and then it's like, what did he like do during that part? I forgot. So then it's contacting other students and figuring out what to do, which like that communication part is really important too, but it's really nice in the videos to just be able to rewind and go step by step. And then also for the, the really hard ones, um, when we were doing the stone, I was having a really hard time figuring out what was going on um, in some of the videos uh, just because uh, it's like just like a little pixelated at some points, but then at the end, Jody puts a final um, photo of each step. So then that's really nice. It's super high quality. So then um, 
when I'm done with the step, I check with the picture to make sure it looks decent enough. Because uh, obviously, it's not going to be as good as Jody's. He's been doing this way too long. But <laughs> but I, I get it. <laughs> That's really nice. Very good. Yeah, that gives us a nice sense of kind of the step-by-step process that is involved in all this and also brings to mind some potential complications that I, for one, had not really stopped to think about. Uh, Professor Sikas, I suspect in working with all of the students, you're probably even, you're, you're very well aware of how Lindsay's home house situation is, is one set of complications and somebody else living in some other kind of space or with a different family or whatever, uh, maybe faces a different array of complications. And how complicated is that for you in terms of making sense of all that and figuring out who can do what, where, when? I mean, I don't envy you. (laughs) (laughs) That is uh, one of the main comments that I've been hearing from the students as they uh, give me some feedback on this. Well, essentially how it comes down is they email me and say, I can't have this in on time because it's been raining all week and outside is the only place I can paint. Um, And I'm being extraordinarily lenient with due dates on things. And like, I just want you to learn it. It all comes in on the last day. That's fine. Um, As long as you you do it and you learn from this, Um, because I understand everyone's going to have different challenges uh, depending upon where they live. like I provided for mixing up paint, I provided some empty uh, little paint containers, you know, like deli containers. And I think I gave each of them five, um, but for one project they needed like eight colors and one of the students didn't have any empty like sour cream containers at home or anything to mix paint up in. Um, so I, I gave her some suggestions and I offered to like leave some uh, at the loading dock at school that she could pick up um, and not be close to anyone um, and then, so that got resolved but yeah each student has uh, some challenges that they're facing um, for getting the projects done and you know personal personal lives and work and things like that yeah how so flexibility how, is key right how how difficult is it for you to assess what they have done I mean like for instance Lindsay's final fake brick wall or whatever it might be in terms of if you were in the same room and holding that in your hands or standing right there versus seeing it on a screen, um, how much is that a, is that a, a sort of a point of difficulty here? Well, fortunately, uh, everyone now has a, a camera on them at all times. And uh, most of them are pretty high quality. And so what I have them do for submission uh, of the projects is they have someone take a photo of them holding it and ideally smiling and not scowling. And then I have them take a close up of it. And because they're high resolution, I can zoom really far in and I can see all of the detail and uh, give feedback that way. Uh, The other thing that I set up is a discussion forum, which (laughs) I don't think anyone's used at this point, but students have emailed me and uh, texted me process photos to say, this doesn't seem right to me. Can you tell me, can you give me some guidance? And so some students have been doing that, which is good. It's not as great as being with them in the shop and being able to walk around and like in real time, give them feedback. Um, But they are reaching out to get feedback, which is good. Yes. So what kind of difference has that made, uh, Lindsay Gallagher, 
in terms of, of this course working out for you and your classmates? Um, it just kind of puts your work at a halt because you're like, oh, now I have to wait for Jody re to reply and I know he has other classes to tend to. So you're just like kind of waiting before you go to the next step on the videos because you, once you're done with one step, you can't go back. Um, but he, he's been really good about getting back because um, like I was talking about with the stones, I definitely was like, Jody, mine did not look right. How do I fix this? And then he got back to me and then I was like, yay, it looks good now. I can go to the next step. <laughs> Lindsay, are there any ways in which you, I mean, not, 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 not that as a totality you would prefer this and not that any of us, you know, like the sad circumstances which necessitate this, but are there any aspects of this that in a sense you almost think work better? uh than the in-person delivery uh would um or 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 is this more a case of just trying to make the best of what is a really difficult situation and challenge um i just i think that the videos are very helpful like i was saying be able being able to pause it and go back but again i think the convenience of the shop and just being able to grab some sawhorses put my piece on and start going and then having the ability of just putting a fan on it right away because I could be painting outside and then it's super windy. So my paint dries really fast. So mm. then that um, inhibits my wet blending and things like that, because I'm just trying to finish a first coat and it's already drying before I can wet blend it. <laughs> so it seems to be like I'm either outside and it dries super fast or I'm in my garage and there's no, air movement so that it doesn't dry at all so that I gotta put outside to dry so it's just kind of a back and forth of things there um but I definitely think we're all making the best of our, our situation that we're in and I've I've ended up making a lot of like group chats with my friends so when we have questions we just jump right in there and it's almost an instant answer because we all know we have things going on. The teachers have things going on, but we've like come together to try and answer questions fast so we can all just keep moving with our work. Lindsay Gallagher is a sophomore theater major at the University of Wisconsin Parkside and Jody Sikis, associate professor of theater arts. You're listening to The Morning Show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. And we're going to continue our conversation now about how one can teach theater virtually by talking with Brian Gill, who was mentioned by Professor Sikas during the previous interview. Uh, Brian Gill is an assistant professor of performance at UW-Parkside and teaching classes in acting and stage combat this semester. One of his students is Alex Gray, a double major in theater and psychology and a student in Brian Gill's stage combat class. So Brian Gill, tell us a bit about what this has been like to reset yourself as a teacher during COVID-19. Uh, what kind of an overall challenge has this been for you? And in particular, when it comes to these courses on acting that you are teaching right now. Right. Well, the, you know, the, the, the biggest conundrum was <laughs> scene work, uh, which requires a couple of people, uh, you know, to be sharing a space and in close quarters and communicating with each other. Um, so, that was the you know the the initial kind of shock of the whole thing i think that that um all of all of you know all all professors uh, i would think across the board uh, experienced uh, in some way shape or form but i think professors in the arts um 
you know, how do, how do you uh, make art uh, when you have to sever essentially the human connection? Um, so for example, acting two, we focus on Shakespeare. So we, we had gone through, we had done the section on, on monologues and, and we're gearing up for scene work. Well, suddenly that becomes very restrictive under, um, the current, our current situation. So I, I talked with the students, um, and we just went back to really specifying on monologue work and on Elizabethan and Jacobean language and um, finding examples. You know, I, I, uh, I, I posted an example for them of Syrian McKellen doing uh, uh, one, of, uh, one of his speeches from um, a lesser known Shakespeare uh, that is just crystal clear and makes perfect sense because he's a genius. Um, but then had some talking points and, and we had an online conversation about, um, you know, what is it that he is doing? What do you observe that is making the language sound modern, which of course it was when Shakespeare was writing it. Um, and, and still for the most part is, uh, I had them watch a full production of, uh, as you like it, that the, the globe theater in London did a few years ago so that they could see, what happens when you put those plays in the right environment, which is a theater that, you know, which is the Globe Theater. Shakespeare was writing for that theater um, and the, the connection between audiences and actors. So some of it became kind of theory, um, but I tried to keep it as practical as possible. And the same thing with my acting four class. I mean, the, the students, they were, they, they are, were and continue to be amazing. Um, it could have been so easy for them to uh, to have succumbed to the pressures and um, the concerns and the worry of what's currently going on and just done the bare minimum or disappeared, um, or, you know, but instead they all, they just kind of rolled their sleeves up and, and, and we just went, went, it allowed us to go deeper into the text and deeper into technique, um, deeper into folio, all of that kind of stuff. So it was, it was really, I'm, I'm so proud of them. And it, 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 the, the work continued and they, they just took such huge steps forward across the board in all classes. Excellent. Glad to hear it. Before we get to the stage combat matter, I want to ask our student, Alex Gray, uh, kind of a general question about what your online learning experience has been uh, with, with everything that you're teaching, kind of aside from the stage combat, which we'll get to in a moment. But uh, what have you experienced on the student end of this? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, the The first couple of weeks when all this was going down and everything was uncertain, um, it was it was a really a waiting game because each professor was reaching out and, and um, reorganizing their their curriculum and how they were going to tackle this thing, especially the harder classes like performance classes. Um, so at first I had to you know wait and see how these classes were going to be different from the original syllabus and the schedule and the assignments we were going to be doing. Um, and then switching to online based learning, it, it's a lot different than in person learning because you have to do all the pacing yourself and, you know, the, the professors can reach out and, and try to help you in any way they can, but a lot of it is up to you to get the most out of the class. Um, so making that adaptation um, was a bit of a learning curve, but um, once I got used to it, like I, I think I've hit, an, uh, I've hit a stride um, and I'm feeling pretty good about the experience. Glad to hear it. Uh, so this 
matter of stage combat is what we're going to explore next. And uh, Brian Gill, first, uh, and it, I'm afraid it has to be fairly brief, but maybe just give us a, a sense of the general parameters of what happens in a class like stage combat two under more normal circumstances. What are you charged with teaching your students in this course? Sure. Well, the, the master plan <clears throat> for stage combat two was to obviously build on, on the techniques learned in stage combat one. Um, so the first unit was a refresher on unarmed. So I had uh, I paired everybody up and essentially because they had gone through the previous class, um, I said, um, I want uh, an unarmed fight, um, X amount of moves, need to include the following, you know, uh, uh, this, uh, these kind of slaps, these kind of punches, it needs to have a kick, you need to have uh, a, 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 a forward fall or backward fall, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then they set to choreographing it themselves as opposed to in, in stage combat one where, where I often will come up with a fight and then teach it and, and then they will learn it and then they will perform it. So I then would do individual coaching with, with the pairs, um, with the fighters, they would go off and rehearse it. They would come back. We'd rehearse it in class. We'd, I would give notes. They would give observations for themselves. Um, and then the, the second unit was intended to be uh, rapier dagger. So they would have blades in hand. And then the third unit, the plan was for, uh, it's called a found object fight. So they, they can uh, you know, beat the devil out of each other with uh, an umbrella and a toilet bowl cleaner, <laughs> whatever, whatever they, they want. Um, so we had gotten through unarmed and that went really, really well. They were really good fights. And we, I don't know, Alex, we were in day one or day two of, of rapier dagger. Was it one? Uh, I think, I think we got like two days in. Two days in? Yeah. Which was, which was drills. Um, they're all, all based on numbers uh, for attacks and defenses. So we, we had gotten through a class of, um, of rapier dagger drills. And then the word came down that we were, we were starting spring break early and that we needed to adapt to, um, to online. Uh, so that was where, that was where we, we stood. Um, and so it, it became trying to rethink, okay, how can I, how can we continue to move forward with training um, with these student fighters all being separated from each other? Right. So in other words, how do you how do you have a fight? How do you stage a fight? I mean, a physical fight when you are the presumably the only person in the room. Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, of um, of all of the challenges I've heard of in uh, in COVID-19 involving educators, I'm not sure there's anybody facing a tougher challenge than that. Uh, yeah, it's it, I mean, it, it's 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 just bizarre. So. Uh, you know, I, I reached out to uh, some of my fight colleagues um, uh, within the Society of American Fight Directors, uh, where, wherein I hold a rank of um, advanced actor combatant. You know, I, I talked to some fight directors. I talked to some stunt folks that I know, just trying to generate some ideas. And again, similar to acting, um, you know, some of what we ended up doing was going, going back to theory. Because one of the things with stage combat you you have to learn not only learn choreography but you have to you have to have the ability to break it down 
to study it and to analyze it. So one of the first things I thought was, okay, I'm, we've got six weeks. I'm going to pick five to six iconic fights from film and television. And then I am going to pick specific discussion points. Um, so, you know, and that was, that ranged everything from, um, one uh, discussion that we just had was the, the famous sword fight from Princess Bride, the, the I am not left-handed fight. Right. Uh, and and my, my question to them was, you know, this is probably at this point the most iconic sword fight in film. And that was the goal. Rob Reiner wanted to make the greatest sword fight in film history. So explain to me, what is it about the choreography of this fight and the acting of this scene that has made it the most famous fight in film history, arguably. We did a scene from, um, from Marvel's Daredevil. There's this amazing seven minute long fight scene that is, was done in one take. No, no editing. Hmm. Um, and my question was, how does the reality of real time fatigue affect the storytelling of the fight? So again, we went back to to theory, I tried to get them to look at fights technically um, and specifically and, and kind of explain to me the choreography and the rationalizations. And then I also, uh, they had a different um, drill, two, two different kinds of drills that they had to do every week. One was with rapier dagger, they had to do uh, attacks and defenses. And then um, one was with uh, bokens, which are uh, practiced uh, katana, practice samurai swords. They're made out of out of uh, oak. Um, but again, it was you know, it was guys find two sticks, or I don't care, you know, a cucumber and a carrot. I I don't care. But there's your rapier. There's your dagger. Uh, so I filmed myself doing the drill, and really tried to explain it and break it down for them. I mean, at, at one of them, I had all the targets taped to my head and. And you know where all the targets were. I, I, I so you know I have I have no sense of humility when it comes to my students. Uh, so I was covered in, in numbers on pieces of paper, so that they could think about specificity and that challenge of because when you're choreog when when you're choreographing, all of the all of the fundamentals have to be there. When you're going through a fight on your own, your targets have to be there because you will then be teaching them. So if I've got an imaginary opponent. I have to make sure, okay, my target is a three, so that is the left bicep. Um, and by left, I mean right. The right bicep, because it's reversed. Um, so, you know, showing them specificity, making sure that the preps are clear, all of that kind of stuff. And then they would film themselves doing the drill and then upload that to me, and then I would give them notes, and then I would do a new drill that we would, we would build on. And then each each one they would do the one they just did they would do the new one and we'd progress wow. sorry you said short that that wasn't short <laughs> well no it's 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 a it's a complicated business and uh, i'm glad you've taken us into this kind of covid 19 era in which things had to kind of change um so alex gray tell us about your perspective as a student in this class and that shift that was uh made necessary uh, by this shift to the online uh, platform of teaching. Uh, how did that most profoundly change your experience and what you were learning and how you were learning it? 
Uh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, me and, and my fellow classmates, when we first heard about the, the change happening, uh, one of the classes that immediately came to mind is like, how are they going to do stage combat? Um, but I think Brian did a really good job. And, and like he said earlier, um, it's really important to be able to analyze um, fights and, and the specificity of all of them. It's not something that we typically have a lot of time to do in, in the normal courses because we're getting this hands-on partner work, which is really nice. And Brian will often, through the course of a normal class, be like, oh, check out this fight and do this. Uh, now we have the opportunity to sit down, talk about it and with our classmates and think about it critically, which um, I, I got a lot of value out of actually um, having that every week. And then the drills, at first I was like, oh no, <laughs> this is going to be hard with just, you know, uh, we don't have a partner, we're just going through the motions. But uh, Brian, every week, would give us notes, like he said, and we were able to work on specific things like the specificity of our targets and um, our, the flow of our movements and our footwork. And it's these um, foundational things that we get to work on uh, that uh, really helped um, through my learning of the, the class. And I don't necessarily know if we would have gotten uh, to look at that so critically because we're focusing on other things like partner work and safety and um, which is also part of um, the drills but it was cool to to look at more of that foundational stuff hmm. um, and you know I at first the first couple of weeks I was like um, it was weird it was an adjustment period doing it with no partner um, and I actually I roommate with another student in the class and after like three weeks in we were like you know why don't we just do these drills together too and uh, I was surprised at how seamlessly it was to to adapt it to the partner work and and the work that I did on my own uh, directly correlated to my work uh, when I got back into partner work with uh, my roommate so you, you actually have kind of a, lux, a, a, a luxurious situation in that you actually have a roommate who is also studying stage combat. So you had somebody with which you could do this, whereas maybe the typical student in this class only has their little brother or their mother or whoever. I mean, you, you're, you're luckier than most, I should think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's been very useful. Um, but it was also reassuring that like the work, the, the solo work that I did and the, the solo work that my classmates are doing is also going to pay off when they jump back into it with, um, with working with partners too. Right. So in, in, uh, in a given drill that you would have to, uh, in which you would have to film yourself, just give us a concrete example of what that would look like, how long it would be and the kind of things you would have to do and film and then send off uh, to Professor Gill? Sure. Um, so we would, we would often have to go outside because we're using these long sticks and um, various household objects to, to represent uh, rapier and dagger. Um, and um, for our rapier and dagger drills, we would um, go through specific targets. So um, like Brian said, they're numbered. So um, your hips are one and two and your, your uh, biceps um, are three and four. And we would make those attacks and defenses um, throughout the drill and then um, different sorts of uh, evasion stuff that you would use in normal choreography. Um, so we, when Ben and I would uh, go out and film, um, Ben's my roommate, uh, when we would go out and film, uh, we would practice the drills on our own and then when, once we started putting them together, we would do them together. 
Um, and then we would usually take a couple takes um, on the, the actual day we were filming. Uh, we would often go out um, multiple days throughout the week so we can get the practice in, so um, we could actually get the value out of the material. Um, but when it comes to footwork, like uh, moving forward and backward and, and your proper stance and attacks and defense, uh, we, uh, we would film that. And then I would, um, and if it took multiple takes, like if we were doing multiple uh, drills throughout the week, I would uh, come in and I would just put them in my like uh, video editor on my computer computer where I just put them together and I send them off to Brian or I could just send multiple videos um, on our uh, on our learning website uh, canvas and um, I would send them off to Brian he would give us a comment um, about notes on what we can work on and then the next week we would get a new drill <laughs> incredible uh, Brian Gill in just a minute or so. Are there ways in which this method of teaching is actually fostering certain skills in a maybe in a better way or a deeper way than if it was the standard way of being in a room together and actually doing it? I mean, are there certain hidden silver linings to this? I think I think so. I, I, I it forced. <clears throat> I can't speak for all of the students, but I have a, a a general. And Alex, you can you can correct me on this if I'm if I'm not right. Um, what I saw with the drills, for example, it seemed to force the students into a situation where they, they had to practice the, the fundamentals. Um, you know, they're called drills for a reason. You know, you, ideally, you're drilling um, for a good amount of time every single day because what you want is for, you know, even, even though it's stage combat and it's, it's designed to be safe, it looks very violent and dangerous, but it's designed to be safe and safety is, is the major goal. They're still, they are traditional martial techniques. Uh, they've just been made safe. And one of the ways that they're made safe is you add distance, um, you know, but just enough distance so that there's a visual illusion. So it's, it's, it's like drilling a martial art. Hmm. You know, you, you, you have to learn this stuff. It has to become ingrained in your body hmm. so that it's almost reflexive. Um, and it was really great seeing the students from day one where they were, you know, some of them were kind of with, with the bokens and the rapier daggers, they were kind of, you know, uh, Colts learning how to walk. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, to then all of a sudden we're in the final week and they're, you know, the footwork's right and the flow is there and the targets are precise. And so I think just the foundation work right. really is a, is a silver lining. So it's focused, it's forced to focus on the fundamentals and uh, Alex is uh, nodding. So I think he is in agreement. <laughs> That's silver lining to all this. Brian Gill is assistant professor of uh, performance at uh, UW Parkside and Alex Gray, one of the students in his stage combat course, a double major in psychology and theater. Gentlemen, it was great to talk with both of you. I'm inspired by the story of how you've carried on through this this difficulty with some some innovation that uh, has made all the difference in the world so and thanks for telling the story on the morning show today it was great to talk with you thanks so much greg it's always good to see you absolutely and thanks alex